and uh, pray the Lord will help us. There's nothing worse than preaching when the Lord isn't in it. And uh, <laughs> we need help from the Lord. They said I said something on, I was preaching at the, at the church and they said I said something and I, I didn't think I said it. I, I, was, I was sure I did not say it. And so I took home a tape and I listened to it. And while I was listening to the tape to prove to everybody that I did not say what they said I said, I went to sleep. Uh, but thanks to the marvels of modern technology, I, I rewound that tape. And I listened to it another time and went to sleep again. And I said to Sister Mooney, I said, can you believe that? I, I went to sleep listening to myself preach two times and she said, now you know what the rest of us put up with all the time. So... And then I know I'm preaching on Sunday morning, so that is a real problem because, you know, particularly mothers on Sunday morning, they've gotten 14 kids dressed for Sunday school, and you want to be nice to women on Sunday morning. You don't want to mess with women on Sunday morning. Because they'll look you right in the face and say, look, preacher, I'm just lucky to be here, and you keep your mouth shut and preach your sermon. So, I know it's Sunday morning, and some of you probably barely got here. But I do want to talk to you about this verse of scripture, Jeremiah chapter 22, verse number 29. This is probably the kind of scripture that you would put on a poster, make into some kind of plaque. But it's more than just a poster scripture. Verse number 29, let's read together. O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. And this verse of scripture, of course, as you know, is God's prophecy to the nation of Judah and it really is an ultimatum. God is simply saying, listen to me or else. That's it. Oh earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Either hear what I say or you will suffer the consequences. And I would like to think that if we could hear the Lord clearly today, as, as we have been hearing him in this conference and so many ways we hear him in our private and personal lives. We hear the Lord saying, either listen to what I'm telling you in this book or you're in trouble. This Bible, this word of God is God's ultimatum. Does anybody believe that? So I'd like to talk to you from uh, the word of God for just a few moments on this subject, the view from the Pope Mobile. The view from the Pope Mobile. Now don't panic, I've never been in the Pope Mobile. <laughs> but to be quite honest, I would love to ride in that thing. I, Brother Hirsch and I turned down the most, you may be seated, I turned down the most, did I forget to say that? Here I am preaching at the General Conference and forgot to say the four most blessed words in Pentecost, you may be seated. I got an invitation to drive the pace car in the ceremonial lap of the 500-mile race. Now, you'd have to grow up in Indiana to really appreciate the panic that I went through. To drive, I'm talking race day, 500-mile race, the ceremonial lap, the pace car. Do you get the picture, ladies and gentlemen? 
And if you've grown up in the cornfields of Indiana, there is nothing that you could probably imagine in all of your life that would be more exciting. But I had to go to church. It was Sunday school. And <laughs> the sacrifices we make for Sunday school, I'm telling you. Plus, I didn't think it would look real good in the headlines. Local pastor of the Pentecostal church drives the pace car. Plus, I didn't want to get a call from Brother Urshan as well on the subject, so I just kind of let it lie. But I have to confess, I really would like to ride in the Pope Mobile. You know, he was here last week, Pope John Paul II. And of all the popes, he is the most famous and the most popular, perhaps, that has ever been. Of course, modern technology and all that kind of stuff makes it easy for him to have access to the world. He is the most traveled pope ever in the history of the Catholic Church. I'm sure you may have noticed in the New York Times this little article that gave us a list of all the places where he's visited. And if you look at this, he's visited almost every country in the world. He is the most broadcasted pope ever in the history of the church. In Latin America, for example, in Project 2000, the Catholic Pope is on radio and television every day. One station literally runs his sermons 24 hours a day. He's an amazing individual. He can preach in seven languages. Maybe you had an opportunity to hear his message at the United Nations. And for a while he spoke in English, then he switched to Russian, and then he spoke in Spanish and French. He is gifted, talented, and he is loved. 250,000 people came to see him in Central Park. 85,000 went to see him in another stadium. 50,000 in another stadium. Everywhere he goes in the world, he draws magnificent crowds. But what is the real view from the Pope Mobile? What is he really seeing? He's drawing crowds. As a matter of fact, he not only is drawing crowds of Catholics, but he is well-respected and revered in other segments of our society. Time magazine, as you well know, said that he was the, their choice for the man of the year. They called him the, Roma, the Roman pontiff, the Polish priest, the philosopher, the sovereign servant, and the aging idealist. He's an interesting individual. He's filled with convictions... But what is the view? What does he really see? What are the masses that he's seeing, really saying to him? What does he feel? Now, if you've listened carefully to his sermons and what he said to us when he was here, you will understand that the view from the Pope Mobile is very significant because there is an interesting, a paradoxal interest to be sure, but an interesting parallel between what I suggest the Pope is seeing from the Pope Mobile and what you and I are seeing every day in our churches. And we have to face it. Just as the Catholic Church is having to face it, we are having to face a recalcitrant society that is determined to resist authority at every level. Because though the Pope is seeing massive crowds, thousands and thousands of people throng to hear him, he's beloved, he is the man of the year, he's the most traveled, the most broadcasted Pope ever. But he knows that he is in a great fight. 
He is in a great war, just as all of us are in a great war. Because if you hold a moral, authoritative position in this world, you are in a great fight. Let me suggest to you what the view from the Pope Mobile really is. Though the Catholics were cheering him, don't take that to mean that they believe in what he preaches or what he says. The opposite is true. You know, sometimes noise and enthusiasm and crowds can be very, very deceptive. Somebody help me preach now. And even we Pentecostals run the risk of getting into trouble just because we can make a lot of noise and be very enthused. If we're not careful, we may lose touch with what's really going on inside the heart. Because it's not just about what we say, but it's what we really believe that matters. So what is the view from the Pope Mobile? Well, listen to this. Now Catholics love their Pope. They've cheered him. Thousands have come out. You know, one defining moment in this recent trip. Well, I say there were two defining moments. There, were one, there was one defining moment for the Pope and one defining moment, I think, for Americans. And I'll just touch on this briefly, in my opinion. Now, this is all just off the editorial page. You believe whatever you want to believe. But for Americans, the most defining moment was when the Pope met the President. And I am told by certain columnists that I read in the Washington Post and other newspapers that before they would let the American President meet the Pope, they had to educate him. Because they knew that he was going to take a hit on his moral position. And I think that's a defining moment for an American president that has to worry about meeting a moralistic pope because he's ashamed of his moral positions. If anybody ought to have a strong, righteous, moral position, it should be the leaders of this great nation founded on the principles of truth and righteousness. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord. So I say that was a defining moment for us. Imagine an American president having to be schooled to take his hit. Because he knew the Pope was going to talk to him about abortion and about moral issues and about homosexuality. A defining moment for the priest came when he was addressing the 250,000 people who were attending the services in the Central Park in New York. And he is singing a song. He had sang this song in several different languages. And after he had sang for a while, the crowd was cheering and they were so enthused about the fact that his charismatic personality and his wonderful way of singing had touched so many people and he was singing in all these different languages. But the Pope could tell something. He could tell that what they were cheering about was the fact that he could speak and sing in several languages. And so he stopped the proceedings. And here is what he said. He said, you're cheering my song." But do you know what it means? He was singing about sacrifice and cross. He was singing about doing uh, something that involved commitment and sacrifice. And he feared that they didn't get the message. And he said, you're cheering me, but I don't think you get the message. You don't understand the song. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the view from the Pope Mobile. This man knows that though the masses are cheering, many do not get the song. Many do not understand the meaning of commitment or sacrifice. And many Catholics like the idea of being a Catholic, but don't like the idea of Catholic views. Stay with me now. 
Let me show you what the Time magazine says with regard to the view from the Pope Mobile. Catholics were asked, do you believe that Catholic priests should marry? Now this is a, this is a critical point with Catholics. They don't believe the priests should marry. But the Catholic constituency, to the tune of 70%, says they believe the priests should marry. So here's the Pope saying, I don't think priests should marry. And the people who are cheering him say, I think it's all right for priests to marry. Should women be allowed to be priests? The Catholic priest and many of the priests and the Pope says no. But the population of the Catholic Church, 69% say yes. The Catholics were asked, do you believe that it's all right for premarital sex to happen among our teenagers? This has been a strong point with Catholics through the years. Moralistic point that young people should not participate in premarital sex. And yet in responding to that question, I'm talking to you this morning about the view from the Pope machine. All right, listen. 75% say they believe it's all right to have premarital sex. Do you believe you should obey the Pope, the Catholics were asked. 79% says they thought they ought to have the right to make up their own mind. Do you believe you can disagree with the Pope and still be a good Catholic? 80% said they thought they could disagree with the Pope and still be a good Catholic. I'm talking to you about the view from the Pope Mobile. Now here is why I mention all of this. Because what the Catholics face is not unlike, and I'm sorry to draw this parallel if it offends you, but it's not unlike what we face even in our own Pentecostal movement. Because we have many that talk the talk but do not walk the walk. We have many that scream and holler and get enthused and bounce off the wall, but they're not prepared to make a commitment to the truth. And this is just one old-fashioned preacher that happens to believe that the truth really matters, that we do have a message. And here's my question. Is the view from the Sunday school class different than the view from the Pope Mobile? Or is the view from the pulpit, our pulpits, different than the view from the Pope Mobile. And in many ways, it's not. We have many people that don't understand the songs. Many that don't get it. What's the enthusiasm about? What is the joy all about? Now I'm going to propose two things in just the last few minutes here that I think are critical that we have to have for these times. So please stay with me. But I just want to pinpoint for you again that many of our young people growing up today, and this is about Sunday school, because I feel a passion that we need to teach and get a hold of the minds and hearts of our young people because it's not enough for them to sing and it's not enough for them to cheer and it's not enough for them to fill stadiums and arenas. They've got to get this truth in their heart so that they will not sin against God. They're Listen, there is something for us to believe. There is something for us to stand for. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is something called the Apostles' Doctrine. You've got to believe it. You've got to stand on it. You've got to love it with all your heart. Clap your hands to the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm talking to you about the view from the Pope Mobile. I'm sure the Pope sees the crowds. He knows he's popular. But he understands that much of his popularity is based not on what he believes. Because he believes some very strong and powerful things with regard to Catholic doctrine. 
But he knows part of the cheering is about charisma. It's about hype. It's about promotion. Is the view we're seeing from our pulpits, our camp meetings, is it about hype and promotion? Is the noise about something we call enthusiasm or some other kind of thing lacking in doctrinal conviction and lacking in a commitment to righteousness? Well, if it is, then I say it's not good enough because we've got to have a commitment to what is true because it takes more than a song to get you through the night. It takes the power of the truth of God living in your heart. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. My, 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 my aunt tells this story. And uh, this is why I, I share this with you because I think it illustrates to us the danger that we're all in as people. I think we're all in a very dangerous time. Now, th- now there are solutions, but it's a dangerous time. It's not a time to go to sleep. You cannot run the 500-mile race on a muddy track. You cannot, you cannot build a house in quicksand. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? You, you have to have a foundation. You've got to have something to stand on. This is why it's so important that we stay faithful to the church. Because people that leave the apostolic doctrine and leave this message will not have anything to stand on. It's just one compromise after the other. It's one digression after the other. But you need to get on that rock. Stand on that word. Love the truth. Buy the truth. Sell it not. My aunt. My aunt told the story. She said. She said that they were so poor during the depression. This is the last time that I had visited with her down in Tennessee. And I shall never forget the story. She was trying to help us to understand how difficult it was growing up in the Depression. And she said that they were so poor and things were so desperate that one day a snake crawled into the hen house and an old hen was sitting on two eggs. And the snake went up in there and swallowed those two eggs. And somebody had seen that snake go up in there and started screaming. The snake went into the hen house. They went in there and here come this big old snake with the bulging stomach having swallowed the two eggs. And the family came out and they began to holler and scream and they caught that snake. Now as you know snakes swallow things whole. And they caught that snake and they cut that snake. And they got those eggs out of that snake. She said, we were so poor, we could not afford to lose two eggs to an old snake. She said, we caught that snake, cut that thing open, took those eggs out, walked back up to that hen and said, here, sit on these and hatch them. Something's got to happen inside of us, ladies and gentlemen, just like my aunt. You've got to get something inside of you that says we're not going to let the young people of this generation lose their commitment to the apostolic doctrine. You've got to kill every snake. You've got to find every destructive force. You've got to seek out every enemy. You've got to get a hold of everything that's against God and against His Christ and preach the Word. Put that snake on notice. Come on, put the snake on notice. We're going to preach the word. Maybe this would be a good moment in our history to stop the proceedings and ask, do we understand the songs? Do we have it in our hearts? I'm not saying we don't. I'm just asking the question. Because you see, the view from the Pope Mobile, as far as the Pope was concerned, 
It's not a good view. There's rebellion in the ranks. I use the word a recalcitrant society. It means a society that's difficult to control. A rebellious society. That's the society you live in right now. And lots of things are going on that our young people need to be doctrinally prepared for. Charisma magazine. What issue? July issue. Cover story. Catholics and Protestants together. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Colson and Robinson have gotten together something they call the Christian Mission. What they call the Great Christian Mission for the Third Millennium. And it's something they call the ECT. Evangelicals and Catholics together. They believe. Now, it's interesting about Colson and, and Robinson. Neither one of them are elected to anything. They're self-appointed bishops of the evangelical movement. They don't represent me. If you want them to represent you, that's fine. But they don't represent me. And they have... And by the way, the only person that the Pope, evangelical, that the Pope visits on this trip is Pat Robinson. You may wonder about that because it, it looks like to me there may be some agendas going on here that we don't fully understand. And I'm preaching to you about this because we need a whole new generation of young people that have the doctrine so deep in their heart they can withstand the shenanigans that's going on in Christendom and withstand the deception and the temptation and withstand the immorality and the unrighteousness and get a hold of this thing. Clap your hands to the Lord. I'm talking to you about the view from the Pope Mobile. We've got to help them to get a hold of this thing. And it's very important that the earth hear the word of the Lord. This is the theme. This is the ultimatum. This is what's got to get down inside your heart that we must listen to the word of God. Now just suppose that some of these folks that are determined to... By the way... Because somebody sings good or because somebody has a satellite doesn't mean that they automatically get the right to represent the apostolic church. As far as I'm concerned, it's already settled. The apostle Peter had it right on the day of Pentecost. There's nothing to compromise. It's just one word to preach. We've got an ultimatum. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's above all, through all, and in you all. There's nothing to compromise here. There's nothing to sit down and talk about. Preach the word. Preach the word. Hang your care packages on the door. Let's tell the message. Clap your hands again to the Lord. Two things, and I close with this, that has to happen in these times. We must love, I think. We must love with all of our hearts this message. Because you see, once we were sinners, but we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to the saints, to us, to you. We've obeyed that. And now, therefore, we are free from sin and to serve righteousness. See, two things involved here. You must understand in this kind of society that there's some things you can't compromise. This is why the Pope did not leave on a high. He left sad. Because within his own ranks, there is a determination to undermine the basic principles. And that's why some of us need to think very carefully. The parallels are shocking. Because it's all through society, you see. Just an attitude that says it doesn't matter. The doctrine doesn't matter. How you baptize doesn't matter. How you live doesn't matter. As if there is no form of doctrine. 
we've got to hold to it very closely. And secondly, we've got to go, I think, through this world in a kind of determined humility. And the only kind of humility that works is a surrender to the word. Oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. You've got to understand that God's ultimatum to us is to hear the word of God. It's not hard. It's easy. If we'll surrender. The view from the Pope Mobile. I pray that all of us in our ministries, in our lives, in our churches, and our preaching, our singing, whatever we do, we can help people to understand more deeply how priceless this wonderful message. Oh, I know you're saying, well, it's just somebody else talking to us about the apostolic doctrine, but don't think it's not a fight. Don't think there's not something here that ought to cause you to crank up that Sunday school class and crank up that preaching and get back. There's a battle here. And you see, the point of this little point I'm trying to make is the intensity of the battle can be smothered in the applause. Time out. Do you understand the song? Do you understand the battle? I was driving down a side street in Muskegon, Michigan, years ago as I, when I pastored there. A great congregation of people. And uh, I was on a side street and I noticed this most beautiful flower garden that I had ever seen. I mean, it was not large, but it was just beautiful. It was all designed properly and it was layered and it was symmetric and all the colors were organized perfectly. And I was so struck by it that I stopped my car in the middle of the road, didn't even bother to pull off the street and got out and walked up to that beautiful flower garden. And I'm standing there admiring those flowers, Brother McClintock, and an elderly lady comes out on the stoop. And she's kind of bowed over. She has a rough voice. She sees me watching and looking at these flowers, and she says to me, What are you doing? And I said, I'm admiring this beautiful flower. And she went into a rage. She said, the trouble with this young generation. You always want to look at somebody else's flowers. Go home and grow your own flowers. She said, you're lazy. Your whole generation is lazy. You want to park your car, come up in here and look at my flowers. I worked hard to get this flower garden. Grow your own flowers. And then with a little twinkle in her eye, she said, Would you like to know how to grow flowers like this? And I said, yes, I really would like to know how to do that. And she said, well, I'll tell you, young man. And she got real close up to me and she said, here's the secret. You go home and you water the flowers and cut the weeds and don't ever get mixed up. Wow. I got back in my car and wrote that down. Water the flowers, cut the weeds, and don't ever get mixed up. That, I suggest, is one of the paramount secrets that we need for this age. Go back to our churches. Water the flowers. Cut the weeds. Don't ever get confused. Because there's many out there that want to water the weeds and cut the flowers. And in case you don't know, this apostolic Holy Ghost one God message, that's the flower. That's the truth. That's the foundation. That's the word. That's what you got to build on. Everything else fails. Everything else falls. 
everything else comes to naught. Slap the person as hard as you can beside you and say, water the flowers and cut the weeds and don't ever get mixed up. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Go ahead. Y'all go ahead and sing. <laughs> sing, sing, sing. We're changing the service now. We appreciate everybody being here. God bless every one of you. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Heavenly Father. He's the beginning and the end. He's much more than this life. He's the Heavenly He's coming back. Talking to Jesus, and they said, Just who are you? You claim to be the Christ, and you're greater than Abraham, too. He said, Everything you say is true. I'm greater than Abraham, or before there was an Abraham, I am the great I am. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the heavenly father. He's the beginning and the end. He's much more than just my friend. He's the son of man. He's coming back again. But its use would be in vain. They don't know how he's helped them time and time again. But one of these days, every tongue shall confess And every knee shall bow Hey, but let's not wait until that day Let's praise the Lord right now Let me tell you who Jesus is He's the rock of all ages He's the Alpha and the Omega He's the Heavenly Father He's the beginning and the end He's much more than Oh, but they don't know who he is. You see, they put him second place in the Godhead. They've got some strange ideas. Oh, but if Jesus Christ created everything and has a power in you, if Jesus is the Lord of Lords, how can he be number two? Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the heavenly Father. He's the beginning and the end. He's much more than this, my friend. He's the Son of Man. He's coming back again. Hey, everybody, help us sing right now. Here we go. I know Jesus is the Father. Jesus is a son. I know Jesus is a Holy Ghost. And all these three are one. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's a rock of all ages. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Heavenly Father. He's the beginning and the end. He's much more than this, my friend. 
He's the son of man. 